So once again, welcome this morning. It's uh, such a blessing to be here with each, each and every one of you. Um, this morning we are going to continue on our series in the book of Haggai. And uh, somebody, somebody was telling me and, uh, how they pronounce Haggai in different parts of the country. And that, I thought that was just funny. And that, was, that happened this week because they, they, they have been listening to the sermon online. And it's like, it's not Haggai. And I said, well, let me say it with my own accent. And, you know, I think Haggai was from Honduras too. No, he wasn't. So it brings me immense joy to welcome each and every one of you here today. And uh, uh, your desire to hear God's Word uh, this morning adds encouragement to my heart. Um, we had started this series and, 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 and uh, you know, on priorities. Our main focus has been priorities this month. And so let's open up our hearts and our Bibles to God's Word in the book of Haggai. And uh, also pull out your notes Pull out your notes. You have your notes there in your bi- in, in your bulletins. Uh, pull out your notes. Uh, let's bring um, let's bring our Bibles and uh, our notes in Haggai chapter one, and we're going to be in verse eight through verse fifteen this morning. Uh, for the past two weeks, we have been talking about we have been talking about the importance of priorities. Everybody has priorities. We just don't have sometimes, we don't have the right priorities in the right place. But we all have priorities. Whatever you, whatever you put first in your life, whatever you're spending time, whatever you're putting your effort in, whatever you are investing in your resources, that is your priority. So, so as we went over the first seven verses in the book of Haggai, chapter 1, we have seen how the people of God, uh, after being free from slavery, being free from captivity, uh, they were initially encouraged to rebuild the temple. They came back to Jerusalem, and, and they were going to rebuild the temple. Rebuilding the temple had nothing to do with the temple in itself, but it had to do where, where God where God was in their life. Was God number one in their life? Was worship number one in their life? Was worship important for them in their lives? So we've been, uh, we were studying in the past two weeks uh, that the temple was not the main thing. It was giving honor to the Lord, coming to the, uh, coming to church, coming to the temple, giving honor to the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and the temple was so that they would have a place to worship the Lord, and they understood that. And uh, the the, um, the the reason they understood that, and uh, the reason God had free, uh, given them freedom, it was so they can come and worship God and serve God. Uh, there's no way you can um, th- there's no way you can divide the two. When you worship God, you worship God by serving God. You worship God in in different ways, but serving God is one of the ways we give God worship. Uh, and so they were ready, they were encouraged to do it. But then something happened. In the book of Ezra, we saw last week, something happened, and they got discouraged. So let's look at the next, let's look at the first slide over here so we can understand. that God gave them freedom. Freedom was supposed to be so they can come and worship and serve God. And so if we apply that into our lives, God has given us freedom from sin. 
freedom from all these things that are overwhelming us that had nothing to do with God. So God gave them freedom so they can freely come and worship God. God wants to give people, God wants to give human beings freedom so they can come and worship God. God's main desire is for us to worship God and to serve God. And so what happened is that they had opposition. And when they experience oppositions, which we all experience opposition when we are trying to serve God in some capacity. So they, they, they experience opposition. And in the opposition we talked about last week, you, you're either going to do two things. You're either going to get stronger when somebody is opposing you. You are going to get stronger because you are going to get you know, you are going to take a firm decision and you're going to say, you know what, this is not going to discourage me. I'm going to move forward. You're opposing me. You are the enemy of God. You're opposing to the, the things that I need to do for God. And, and so I'm going to move forward and I'm going to go against the opposition and get stronger and grow and mature. And then there is another option when you see opposition, which is what most people do. When they experience opposition, usually people don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble. I don't want to have any problems. And so, you know what? If that's going to create a problem, I'm just going to give up. If I'm going to have a problem in church, I'm just not going to go to church anymore. If I'm going to have a problem at work, I'm just going to go find another job. If I'm going to have a problem in my family, I'm just going to quit my family. So most people, for the, for the most part, they, they like to get the easy way out. And so opposition will, do, will either make you stronger or will discourage you. And when you are discouraged, the people of God, in the, in, in the first seven verses we saw that the people of God were discouraged. So when they were discouraged, what happened? They put God to the side. And when you put God to the side, you start bringing other stuff into your life. Little by little, you start adding. Well, God is not a priority, number one, in my life. Well, I don't have to go to church. Well, I don't have to read the Bible. Well, I don't have to pray. So now I can do, you know, since I don't have to pray, I can watch another movie. Since I don't have to pray, then I can do this other thing. And since I don't have to read my Bible, then I have time to do other stuff. So you start Filling your life with all other, all these other little things that begin to take priority in your life that come as a number one in your life and you're putting God to the side. And that exactly is what happened to the people of Israel. They were discouraged. So in their discouragement, they, uh, they allowed distractions to start coming into their life and they were forgetting about God. And let me tell you, it's so simple to understand this. This is simple. When you forget God, you will experience consequences. All you got to do, forget about God, and you will go through consequences. Now, the reason God allows consequences in our lives is not because God enjoys seeing human beings suffer the consequence. God does not want you to experience those consequences. But it's the natural result of your bad decisions. We make the decisions. Then we experience the consequence as a result of our decisions. And a lot of times we tend to tell God, God, why? God, why are you allowing this? Don't ask God. What you got to do is look at yourself 
and look at your decisions, and your decisions will naturally result in consequences if you're making the wrong decisions. And so they forgot about God. There were consequences, and the only way out of those consequences is that when you repent. Repent in the Bible always means change. Repent means you're going one way, and you repent, you go completely the opposite way. When you are repenting, you stop doing what you're repenting of. And so consequence will be, the solution to that is repentance. Repentance will bring changes. Now, repentance will bring positive changes. And the positive changes will lead you to worship and serve God, which is what God initially wanted from the people. So once you experience consequence, then you repent. Then after you repent, there are changes. And the first change is, you are given now, God, priority number one in your life. It's an amazing thing. They, 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 made, they made a big mistake. They were not placing God in first place in their life. And they didn't have God as a priority there. So uh, they, they were focused so much on their resources. What do I have? What, what, what are my possessions? How nice those do my... The, they were so focused on their own houses. They were decorating their houses with the wood that it was supposed to be used to build the house of God. That was amazing. They were, they, they were not rebuilding the temple, but they were worried about their houses. So, their focus was so much. And what happens when your focus in life is the material possessions and you forget about God? You know, a lot of times we forget about God, but we are expecting God's blessings to be, to follow us. But we're forgetting God. We put other stuff as a priority. And that is exactly what the people were doing here. So God has to get their attention in two different ways. In two different ways. One way God got their attention. Let's, let's look at, uh, uh, let's go to the next slide. Is one, it was through the prophet. Through the message of the prophet. Let me tell you very quick. I'm not saying this because I'm the one preaching. But I'm saying this. Every time we preach the word of God, it's not my word. It's God's word. And when the prophet Haggai was preaching to the people, it was for them to understand what God wanted from them. Every time you hear a message, don't look at the messenger. Hear the message God is telling you. Listen to God. What things do you need to change? What things need to be different in your life? What, what, what attitude has to change uh, between you and God? It's, all, it's, all, it's so important to do that. So the message was through the prophet in this case. And, and number two, it, it was by taking their blessings away. God took their blessings away. And they were wondering, why is this happening in my life? Well, it's simple. God is going to tell them right now. God is going to give them a reminder. Uh, and God is not just going to give them a reminder. He's going to give them a second chance. So you already had one chance. You blew it. I'm going to give you a second chance now, God is going to tell them, and that's what we're going to look at today. But in the second chance I'm going to give you, before you take that chance, I'm going to remind you how I took away your blessings. Why did He take away the blessings? Because He wanted to get their attention. He wanted them to change. 
And so he's communicating these things. Uh, they, they couldn't get satisfaction. Remember, uh, remember last week we talked about that? You know, the, you know, they should be singing that song, right? I can get no satisfaction because they, they weren't satisfied with anything. It's like they were, they were eating. It was never enough. They were finding clothes. It was never, it was never good enough. They never, they, they never felt that they, they were not feeling satisfied. They were not feeling satisfied. They were not happy. And, and they were always finding something to complain about. Have, have you met people like that? That they always have something to complain about? If you always have something to complain about, let me tell you with all due respect, but from the Lord, I'm going to tell you this, that means there's something wrong with your life. Because God gives you what you need. If you're not satisfied, that means you are not letting God fill your heart, fill the void that you have in your heart. So to fill that void, what we do is we complain about everything. We say so many things. Uh, you know, we can find no satisfaction because God needs to be our satisfaction. And God even told them in the first seven verses, you bring a paycheck and you bring a paycheck and you put your paycheck and you have holes in your pockets. It's like all of a sudden you don't know where did it go. So God tells them the reason all this is happening to you. I want you to see a verse 2 and verse 4. Let's put the verses in the, on the screen. Verse, verse 2 and 4. He tells them uh, this is the reason why this is happening to you. The reason is because you are saying... These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. It's not time. You know what? Let's not worry about God's house. Let's not worry about church. Let's not worry about the family of the faith. That, that's secondary. Uh, let's not worry about that. Let's worry about what's there for me. What's there for me? And so in verse 4 he says, he, 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 he gives them a question and he says, is it? A time for yourselves to be living in your panel houses? Your houses are well decorated. Your houses are panel. But you put me on the side. You, you, you got rid of me. While my house is still in ruins. How many years have passed? Remember? How many years have passed? 16, 16, maybe 16, maybe 18 years. They completely forgot about God, but they were expecting blessings from God. And you'll see that in a minute. Because of their bad decisions, God told them in verse 7, in verse 5 and 7, God told them, He said, um, He gave them a warning. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thoughts to your ways. If you're experiencing, if you're drowning, think about why are you drowning? If you're experiencing bad things, and bad things are happening to you, God is telling them, think about, is, is, is it a consequence of your bad decisions? Is it a result because you put you forgot about God, and you put other things as a prayer? Think about it. So when we're going through a tough time, it's so important for us to meditate on it. Why am I going through this? Is it a test from God? Or is it a consequence of my bad decisions? And so he tells them two times in the first seven verses, think about it. Give careful thought to your ways. Think it over. Consider how you have acted and what has happened to you as a result of your actions. 
So then God, when we get to verse 8, God tells them, so verse 1 through 7, these are the consequences you're experiencing because you forgot about me. You are so worried about your stuff that you forgot about me. I want you to give careful thinking about that. I want you to think what you're doing. But in verse 8, he basically tells them what to do. Here's a second chance. In other words, he gives them an opportunity. He gives them an opportunity, an opportunity to change. Verse 8, he goes, so now God says, go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So basically, God is telling them, I'm giving you a second chance. You blew it the first time. And then you waited for 16, 18 years. Now I'm giving you a second chance. Let me, let me tell you one thing. God is a God of second chances. That, that is so amazing. I love my God. Because if He was not a God of second chances, we would all be lost. We would all be lost. God is so patient with us. And we blow it and we... We mess it up so often. And then God is telling the people, so I just send you in, I just send you to captivity for 70 years. I gave you freedom because you blew it. I give you freedom, I bring you back, and you blew it again. And God is like, I'm still going to give you another chance. I'm still going to give you another chance. Go up to the mountains. You can make this right. You can make it right. And so I'm, I'm wondering, can you make it right? Has God given you second chances? Are you making it right or are you even trying to take that second chance God has given us? Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So look, look at the reason why God wanted them to build his house. So that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. All God wants is for us to bring our worship. So He can take pleasure in our worship and be honored. Says the Lord. So He says, I'm giving you, I, I, I'm giving you a second chance. I'm giving you an opportunity here. So if you don't take this opportunity, He says... Let me remind you what happened to you before. It's like when you discipline your kids and you tell them, you know what, I'm going to give you another chance, but before I give you that chance, I'm going to remind you when you behave bad, this is what happened to you, remember? Remember the consequence I had to give you? And so God is basically treating them the same way. He is like, you know what, let me give you a reminder. And He gives them a reminder, number two, He gives them a reminder uh, from verse 9, through verse 11. Verse 9 through verse 11, he gives them a reminder and he tells them, um, basically, let me remind you of what happened before so you can make the most of this opportunity. When you have a second chance to do something, th- did you ever fail a test in school? I mean, I remember back home, uh, when I first came here, I remember that in school, they will move you up a, a grade depending on your age. Back home, if you didn't pass the test, they will fail you. And you were 15 years old and you were still in sixth grade. They did not move you up a grade unless you passed the test. 
And so when you had a second chance, there was an opportunity at the end of the school year so you can go and redo the test so you don't have to get stuck with uh, nine and ten-year-old kids when you were already 15, right? And so God is giving them a second chance, a second opportunity. When, you, when we used to get those opportunities, we were happy campers, but we had to study a lot. I never did that, by the way. I was a good student. Just kidding, I wasn't. But he tells them, you spent much. Let me remind you, he goes, what you went through. You spent much, but see, it turned out to be little. It turned out to be little. So they were expecting a lot from God. So basically God is telling them, this is what you have done. You have always expect from me to bless you. Do you think a relationship has expectations? Do you have expectations when you have a relationship, a friendship, or a relationship with your, with, with your spouse, or a relationship with God? Of course you do. You have expectations. But those expectations, that means the other side of that relationship is also expecting something from you. What do you expect from God? Are you doing what God is expecting from you? So he's telling them, you expect much, but instead of getting what you're expecting, you're not getting what you're expecting. You're getting very little. Let me just give you a reminder. I'm giving you a second chance, but this is what happened to you before. So I'm giving you a warning before I give you that second chance. You expect a lot, and it turned to be little. What What you brought home, God says, I... God says, I blew it away. It's not like somebody just, uh, you know, you just lost it or anything. No, no. God says, I purposely blew it away. That's interesting. God did it. God did that. He himself did that. And he asked the question, why, declares the Lord Almighty, why did I do that? Listen, listen why he answers he did that. Because of my house, which remains a ruin While each of you is busy with your own house. I'm reminding you. I'm repeating again what I said in verse 6. Therefore, because of you. Pay attention to that part. God is telling them, it's not because I take pleasure in doing this. The only reason this is happening, it's not because of me, God says. It's because of you. I am willing and ready to do what you're expecting from me. Are you willing willing and ready to do what I'm expecting from you? And he said, the reason I blew it all up, the the reason I got rid of all this stuff, uh, the reason I'm not giving you the blessings that you are waiting or expecting for, is because of you. You know, it's tough to take responsibility. When somebody makes a mistake and it's between two people, usually it's like, no, well, I don't want to say it was my fault. It's hard to take responsibility. And then he says, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew uh, and, and the earth its crops. I call for a draw on the fields and on and the mountains. 
on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on the people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. I hold it. All the... All the basic things that you need, I hold it. I didn't give you everything you were expecting. I hold those blessings. So I'm giving you a reminder. I hold these things because you did not make the most of the first opportunity I give you. Now I'm giving you a second opportunity. Take advantage of the second opportunity but but they were expecting much and again in a relationship either either our relationship my relationship with god your relationship with your spouse your relationship with your kids you expect something but you got to do something in return remember most promises in the bible are conditional promises god you know a lot of times we're expecting all these blessings from god but god says If you look for me, if you give me your heart, then I'll do this. A lot of that stuff is conditional, a lot of those promises. And in a relationship, if you don't expect something, or if you say you don't expect something from the other side, then uh, I'm afraid you're not being honest. We all expect something. And, And so he said, you store at home, and I blew it. God purposely did it. Why? Because you didn't do your part. That's basically what God told them. See, what do you expect from God? Do you expect God to give you health? If you expect health from God, when you're healthy, do you serve God? Because He gives you a good life. You're healthy. That's what, he, that's what you're expecting from God, to keep you healthy, right? So do you give in your time to serve Him? Because now you're healthy? You expect God to provide a job, work. Once God gives you a job, do you give God what's, what's God? Do you honor God by giving Him what belongs to Him? So you expect from God... To keep you healthy, give you a good job, but you're not willing to do your part? That's what basically he's telling the people of Israel. But remember, he's not just telling this to the people of Israel. He's telling us this. Because a lot of times we expect so much from God. It's like, God, you owe me. No, he doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe you anything. We own him. Worship. Reverence, respect. You know, God, I want kids. I'm expecting you, God, to, pro- to give me kids. I want children. And then do you do your part by bringing them and dedicating them to the Lord? And training them in the way of the Lord? God, I want a family. And do you lead your family? You know, do you have, do you have family worship nights? When was the last time you prayed with your family at home? When was the last time you prayed with your kids? When was the last time you prayed with your spouse? 
When was the last time you had that moment uh, where, 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 you know, you, God gave you a family and you're leading them in the way of the Lord. So you ask Him from God to give you something, to give you blessings. You gotta be ready to give in return, to do in return what God is expecting from you. So He's reminding them of that. But, but, you know, are, are we doing our part? Are we doing our part? So God tells them in verse 10 and 11 again, He says, therefore, because of you, take responsibility. Because of you. So if you're not experiencing God's blessings or the blessings you're expecting, you have to think about, is it because of me? What am I doing that is not pleasing to God? What am I doing that I'm not doing my part? Am I doing the opposite? And so I'm giving you a second chance, God says, basically. And to this second chance, I need to remind you, if you don't take this second chance, if you don't make the most of this second chance, this is what you went through before, verse 9 through 11. This is what you're going to go through again. So take the second chance. So guess how the people of Israel reacted? Look at the reaction. Look at the reaction. Number three. Let's look at the reaction. Verse 12. Beginning with the leaders. Then Zerubbabel, Joshua, who were the leaders. Joshua, Zerubbabel was the, 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 the governor and Joshua was the priest. And it says, and the whole remnant of the people, what did they do? What did they do? You can read it. They obeyed. What a hard word to say, right? You know that obey, o- o- obedience. Uh, now that, you see, obedience is a big, is a big thing with God. Obedience is a key word when it comes to our relationship with God. Sadly, you know, the, 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 the concept of obedience is being canceled on social media. It's like nobody wants to pay attention to obedience. Obedience? I'm going to do whatever I want. I am, I, 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 I am the owner. I own my life. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to obey nobody. You know, it was so funny the other day. I was looking on YouTube uh, how some of these guys purposely... They, 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 they begin recording with their phone and they go up to a cop and they're recording them. They're challenging those cops. It shouldn't, it should never be done. Don't challenge authority like that. It doesn't mean that they always do the right thing. No, they're human beings. Sometimes they do the wrong thing. But for people to purposely go up to a cop and, and tell them, I don't have to give you my ID. And opposed to everything authority is saying, it's just because they want to show they don't have to obey you. And that is a concept that we're putting in society and we're putting in young people. And young people are not listening to authority and that's why parents are having a hard time with their kids. And kids don't really want to listen anymore. It's like, if you hit me, I'll call the cops on you. Hey, Really? Uh, let me take you to Honduras. I'll see if, see if you can call the cops over there. In other countries, that doesn't happen. And kids grow up very different. 
But God says, all you got to do is obey. That's it. That's it. And, and, and so it, it says that they obey the voice of the Lord their God. They obey the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. Because the Lord their God has sent him and the people Fear the Lord. The people, the, the word fear is not, it doesn't mean you're, you're afraid, you're, you're, no, no. It means you respect the Lord. The people respect God. And how did they show respect to God? By obeying God. How do you show respect to God? By obeying God. You are expecting blessings from God? Obey God. That's, that's, that's what basically, that's what Haggai is telling them over here. And, and so they finally, they finally decided to obey God. And how is it is to obey? It's not easy, but it's got to be done. What are you expecting from God? If you're expecting something from God, you've got to be willing to obey God. And I want you to notice one more thing here. I want you to notice something very important in this portion of the Scriptures. Notice that in the very beginning, the leaders... The leaders were the first ones who obeyed. The leaders were the ones who were taking, were getting the example. And I tell you one thing. We have a group of elders in this church. And I am very proud of our elders. As a matter of fact, I want the elders to stand up. Stand up. Eddie. Yeah, I want to put you, I want you to know who the elders are, Ron. And Tim is missing. But these are the elders of the church. I tell you, with these men, we have gone through good and bad times in the last two years. And they've gone through even more before I, I even came here. I got respect for these men because these men put God first. Before friendship, before anything, they put God first. They're an example to this congregation. And we're missing Tim, but Tim is part of these elders too. I, I, I don't, uh, thank you guys. I, I don't want to, I don't want to serve with anybody else, right? Right now, this is who I want to serve with. Men like this. And sometimes, sometimes they get, they get all type of junk from people. Just because you don't, if you do that, that means you don't understand leadership. Leaders are supposed to be an example. These men are an example. These men are faithful men. You know, sometimes I want to do something different. And they tell me, no, we don't think that's what God wants you to do, Pastor. And I got to say, okay. I got to make sure that I listen to them. Because in this church, we don't do what I say. No, we do what God says. And the elders make sure that we are doing what God says. And if you don't agree with that, I feel sorry for you. Because the Bible says, submit to your elders, for they will give an account for you before God. They will give an account for you. These men. Uh, uh, so, th in this case right here, uh, when we see Zerubbabel and we see Joshua, they were the leaders. They took responsibility. They reacted. God's leaders are called always to encourage people. If, somebody's, if, if somebody calls himself a leader and he's not encouraging the people of God, that's not pleasing to God. You are there to encourage people, not to discourage people. To encourage people, 
uh, to edify people. That's what leaders exist for, to edify people, to tell people the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. But any leader who's not encouraging people, who's not edifying people, is not doing what God is telling them to do. So Rabbi and Joshua did not do what God told them to do at first. They had to repent. And when they repent, now they're listening to God. And they're like, okay, so we got to do the right thing. Remember what I said last week. Everything stands or falls from leadership. A lot of times we tend to judge leaders because we don't understand the role of a leader. If you are a leader, you are a leader, good or bad, you are a leader. But whether you're a good or a bad leader, that's going to be determined because of your actions. What motivates you? A leader is encouraged to call, to edify, not to discourage and divide. If a person is discouraging and dividing, that's not a leader. Much less from God. So these leaders were called to bring unity to the people. We're called to bring unity to the people. We're called to bring, to come together. And Zerubbabel and Joshua were leading the people to do what was pleasing to the Lord. Leaders take that responsibility. And I want you to see something. Uh, They did their part. So they obeyed God. And as a result of the leaders obeying God, the people did obey God too. They listened to the voice of God. I want you to see something. that We're going to finish with this. When leaders lead according to God, and they obey God, and they lead the people in God's way, not the way people want to be led. Just the way people want to be led, not necessarily is the way God wants them to be led. But leaders should identify how does God wants us to lead these people. And the people, if they believe God is with these leaders, they're supposed to follow leadership. So that what they did is they led, and so the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord had sent him. They did their part. And so what happened as a result of that? And here's our last point. What happened as a result of that is God's presence was with them. Because the people took the second chance, the second opportunity, God was giving them. And they listened to the leaders. Notice, notice the steps, okay? First, they took the second chance God was giving them. And then they followed the leaders because they obey God and they followed their leaders. God was with them. God's presence was with them. Look at number uh, verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. This is, this is the message. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you. What does it mean to have God's presence with you? I am with you. The presence of God was giving them assurance. Do you like to experience assurance in your heart that what you're doing is the right thing? That only comes as a result 
of when you know God is with you, then you feel assurance. You feel secure with God. God's present in your lives. God's present in, in, in each one of our lives. It's that God's guidance is with us. So when we, when we make decisions, when we take steps, God's guidance is with us. God's support is with us. God's giving us comfort. That means God is with you. God is giving you comfort. That means God is giving you strength. That means God is with you. That means God, there's a sense of nearness with God because God's presence is with you. God's presence is with you as a result of your obedience and following the leaders God is calling to lead. So they took that second chance, that second opportunity. And, and, and notice what happened. It's not just that God's presence was with them now. And now I, I feel good. I feel secure. I, I feel like I can climb any mountain because God is with me. Notice what happened. Verse 14. Verse 14, it says, So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Joshua. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of these people, of the leaders. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that God encouraged the leaders, that God encouraged the people. In other words, they were positive. So now we repent. We took the second opportunity God gave us. Now we know our leaders are leading now we are encouraged to come and serve the Lord. Now we have a positive atmosphere. We have a positive thing in the church. You know, and as a result of positive environment, you, we are, our morale is boosted. We are enhancing the productivity. They, they were inspired. They had confidence. They were motivated. You know, when you are doing the right thing before God, and you know God is going to, God is going to give you those blessings back again because you are taking that chance because you are putting God as a result as a as a priority number 1 in your life. And it says that the spirit of, of the whole remnant of the people was also stirred up. Notice at the end of verse 14 the letters in red. As a result of positive environment, as a result of encouragement, as a result of this uh, positive thing that they had going, because God had put that in their spirits, they came and began to work. They came and began to work. So they began to serve God the way God was calling them to serve Him. So are you, are you, are you busier? In paying attention to what other people do? Or are you busy in serving God? Are you busier in, in, in watching who does what? Or are you busy in making sure you're putting God as a priority number one in your life? What are you serving in? Well, uh, pastor, I just don't have anything to serve on. Oh, no, there's a lot of things you can serve on. You see the people that bring coffee, the people that bring donuts. You can do that too. There's a lot of things we can do to serve God. You know those little invitations that we put in our pews? 
But sometimes we have those, 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 those little postcards. You can also grab those and put, it, and put it in your neighbor's houses. There's so many things we can do. As a matter of fact, next week we're going to have a list of things if you want to do something. But they were encouraged. So, let me finish with this. God gives you a second chance. He reminds you, if you don't take this second chance, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen again. So instead of allowing this to happen again, they took the second chance and they repent. And they obeyed the Lord. And as they obeyed the Lord, the result of that is that they, they created a positive atmosphere in, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. And they began to build the house of the Lord. They began to serve the Lord. They began to serve the Lord with gladness of heart. And they were all in unity. They were all together. And guess what? Nothing was going to stop those people from doing what was right before God. Because they decided to do one thing. We are going to obey the Lord. Because obeying the Lord is going to please the Lord. And that is going to open up the blessings from heaven in my life. Church family, today's journey through the book of Haggai and his message is a call to our hearts. And this call to our hearts is like a mirror reflecting in our lives. Moments, uh, we have, uh, sometimes we have lost sight of what truly matters. So I'm, I, I want to encourage you all to remember the story of those who despite, despite of their mistakes, they choose to listen and to follow God's call. Uh, they found a second chance and in their obedience they discovered the the joy of God's presence in their life because they they were obedient. And just like just like these people, the people of Israel, we have also stumbled many times. But God offers us a fresh start all the time. He invites us to rebuild not just the physical temple, but He wants us to rebuild our spiritual temple, our sanctuary within us. It is a chance to put God first and to let His love guide us, guide our steps. And as we live here today, let's carry the warmth of His love in our hearts, knowing that we are never alone. God is always giving us second chances. Let our hearts echo with a simple prayer, God, be the center of my life. God, be the center of my life. And may the Word of God touch our hearts deeply. And help us to embrace God's second chances with open hearts. Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for your word. Help us to think and to meditate on this. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.